to yet another episode of Beyond the Present Podcast. My name is Daniel Mulgan, and welcome to today's episode where we're going to talk about the importance of financial literacy. You see, guys, if you're like most of us, then you have gone through the entire educational system, including high school and college, without ever being taught the importance of developing financial literacy. Well, no more. We are here today to help you guys understand what it really means to develop your financial literacy, to understand uh, you know, the very concept of money, and more importantly, to begin planning your financial future. You see, most of us, we don't have a clear concept of what money is. For most of us, it's just a means of buying stuff. So if you were, you know, when you were a child, you said, I'm going to get, you know, some cash from my daddy and then I'm going to go, you know, buy some ice cream. So for you, it was like a means to buy things. Uh, so you perhaps got it from, you know, later on, you grew up a little bit and you start, you know, getting cash gifts. And then you actually started spending that money on other stuff. You bought perhaps, I don't know, your first gaming console, or then you went on and bought your smartphone or I don't know, a motorbike or whatever it is, right? So most of us, we think of money as a means of buying things. And for that reason, most of us are usually either lower or middle class. Today, I want to help you understand how the upper class think about money. Now you're saying, well, I want to live in a just and fair society where everybody is uh, perhaps equal. Well, let me tell you this. I work in international business. I work in all major political, uh, basically, economies around the world, including the European Union. Some of those countries are extremely fair. Think about, like, you know, uh, nations like Sweden, Denmark, Finland. I also happen to work in certain other countries like China, like Russia, uh, basically Middle East, and obviously North America. And wherever across the world you look, you see a variety of different socioeconomic policies in place by their governments. So let's be, let's be honest, when it comes to, you know, financial policies of governments, a country like Finland, Denmark, or Sweden will be extremely differently governed than a nation like the United States or Russia or Dubai. So for that reason, I want you to understand that I have worked and been in touch with people from around the world, and here's the darn truth. Whether you're growing up in a society with complete so-called fairness, meaning the government really takes care of the middle class by, you know, imposing, let's say, higher taxes for the rich to create more equality, or you're in, you know, super hardcore capitalistic economies, in the end, you realize that in all societies around the world, regardless of the level of, you know, political and economic fairness, certain people always rise to the top financially and economically, and the majority stay behind, mainly in the lower class and the middle class. So guys, if you feel like your financial problems is because of your government, I got a bad news for you. I have been working with nations from around the world, and your statement is nothing more than an excuse. Because what I have seen from many nations including the ones that you supposedly assume to be extremely fair, the pattern is always the same. Certain individuals will always have their finances basically together, while unfortunately most of us, we tend to struggle financially. This applies to any nation that I know of, and there are probably more than 30 of them personally that I have been in touch with. So if you want to blame your government for your financial problems, 
please do know that you're engaging in nothing more than excuses. If you're trying to blame where you were born, your family, you're just looking for an excuse. Wherever on this planet you go, with whichever economic system that you actually find yourself in, there are always certain people that will rise to the top financially while most of us, we stay behind. And today, I want you to take the first step towards your financial success by beginning to take responsibility for it. You see, if you stop you know, blaming the government or your situation for your financial problem, that is the first step towards your financial future because now you're taking responsibility. You're no longer you know, using an excuse not to do something. That's number one. Wherever you are on this planet, the chances are, if you're listening to this one, you probably know me, which means probably I've been to your country and I probably worked there as well. So wherever you are, the chances are there are people around you who are doing better than you in the same environment with the same socioeconomic policies. And if you want to try to blame corruption and connection, sorry, that is simply not the case. Now, once you start realizing that your current financial situation, good or bad, is for the most part in proportion to your decisions, action, and you know, way of thinking, that's when you can change those things that you have control over and obviously change your financial future. Because so long as you blame an outside force for your financial problems, you will never be able to change anything and thus you will never be able to change the results. So the first step is this. You are responsible for your financial life as it is today. Now, once you take responsibility, let us now move on to look at how the upper class think differently. You probably have heard of the book, Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. Well, I don't want to really recite the book here for you, but I want to really emphasize on the fact that the rich and the wealthy do think differently. They have different values in lives. They have a different lifestyle, which allows them to accumulate more wealth and prosperity. And I want to you know, help you today to uh, understand how do these people think? And trust me, they all think the same, whether you're in the European Union, whether you're in, I don't know, in uh, Africa, whether you're in Russia, China, Canada, the United States, Australia, I don't know, you name the nations, Dubai, they all tend to think differently than the ones who are in the middle and the lower. So what is the first way and the major differentiation between those who make it financially and those who don't in terms of the way they think? I already explained that at the beginning of the show. For the middle class and the lower class, money is a means to buy things. I got my you know, salary. Let's say you work as an accountant, you work as, I don't know, a technician, and you get your salary at the end of the month or the week, depending on how you get, you know, you know, get paid. And then you say, all right, I got now $2,000. I'm going to now be spending that on this and this and this. So I'm gonna, here's the money for my rent. Here's the money for basically the utilities. Oh, I really love those pair of shoes. So that's the money for this one. And have you checked out that latest uh, you know, uh, cool gadget? Well, I'm going to get that on credit. So I'm going to use this uh, for that as well. And boom, by the time they reach the middle or near the end of the month, all the cash is gone. So they start spending money on credit. Why? Because the poor and the middle class see money as a means of buying stuff. Now, how do the rich think about money? Well, the rich think of money 
as a means of creating value, prosperity, security, and above all, a means of enhancing their overall impact on the world. So they see money as an asset. It's not a thing that buys you stuff. It's a thing that makes you things. It allows you to increase and enhance your value. So the rich value money much more than the you know, middle class. For them, the money isn't just a means of buying you know, some stuff. Rather, it's a means of building up their impact, which is why the rich think of money as a means of investment capital or uh, security and savings and so on. Because they want money to somehow create value for them. And because of this, the rich look at the money that they spend and the money that they keep differently. You see, for you know, poor a person or a member of the middle class, money is just money. I have money, I will spend it. The rich all over the world divide money in their head in two categories. You see the way of thinking? They divide their money in two separate categories. My money, other people's money. Now, what does that mean? For the rich, the money they have to spend on the rent, on the car, on the travel expenses, and so on, that is not their money. That is other people's money that is temporarily in their hand. So if I want to go and buy a car from Jack, Jack is the real owner of my money that I want to pay Jack, right? If I want to go and pay my expenses for my traveling to Julia, well, that travel expense that is in my account right now, let's say you want to travel to, I don't know, Fiji or something, right? And the whole trip is going to cost you $3,000 for about, I don't know, two weeks of stay in a you know, very nice place. That $3,000 in your account that you've put aside for traveling to Fiji, that is not your money. That is Julia, the travel agency's you know, uh, manager money, right? So when you go and give them to Julie and say, Julie, here's $3,000. Thank you for arranging the entire trip for me. That is no longer your money. That money belongs to Julia now. So the rich see the money they want to spend on things or services, not as their money, but as other people's money that are temporarily in their hands. And for that reason, they look at the rest of that money as their money. So for the wealthy, the money that they keep for themselves to be saved and invested and multiplied, that is their money. Let me give an example. Let's say you make 5K a month, right? So from that $5,000, and let's say you, you, know, you live in Manhattan. You know, the rents, unfortunately, have gone up pretty sharply lately in Manhattan area especially. So let's say you want to you know, pay and you, know, you have basically a partner. No kid yet, but you have to, of course, pay for the rent. And you live, let's say, I don't know, in the Upper West Side. So you have to spend no less than $2,500, probably $3,000 uh, for a very small, uh, basically, condominium in the uh, Upper West Side, right? So that $2,500 or $3,000 that you have to pay for the rent, that is not your money. That $2,500 is your tenant Basically, because you're a tenant, right? This is your landlord's money because you're the tenant. This is your money that you're going to give to him or her, which means now it becomes their money. From that 5000 boom, 2500 already gone. Now, you have another 2500 uh, left. Is that all your money? I don't think so. The money you pay for utility, 
the money you pay for the other expenses. All of that is other people's money. Let's say you pay all the basic expenses and you are left with approximately $1,000. That is now your money. What are you going to do with that money? The money that you keep for yourself, for saving, investing, and multiplying is your money. Unfortunately, that's not how we look at the you know, money most of the time. And if you change your perspective, it then allows you to work by the first rule of wealth creation among all nations and all generations. It was actually made famous by Warren Buffett. He says, pay yourself first. So let's say you're going to go back to the same story. You got 5K. You work for one month. You got your 5K salary. Now, what do most people do? They first start paying all their expenses. And if something is left at the end of the month, they will keep that money for themselves. But guess what? That is not what's going to happen to most people. Most people are not going to save anything by the time they're reached in the month. Not only that, they end up accumulating credit as well, which is why they end up being on what we call the rat race, meaning they have to keep working and keep working and keep running like these little rats. But in the end, they cannot even stop because the moment they stop, if one paycheck is basically not there for one month, they're already bankrupt. Most people around the world, especially in the developing you know, world, that have access to credit because I work in some countries with no credit. And ironically, that's a little bit easier, I guess. But for the you know, developing world, when you have access to credit and you start spending, then you can spend the rest of your life working and under debt. So the first rule, as we mentioned, from now on, anytime you get a paycheck, tell yourself, I am going to pay myself first. You're saying, but then I don't have enough money. I already am struggling to pay for all the expenses. I don't make 5K. I make 4K. Or I make, two, I don't know, $3,000 a month, whatever. I don't have the money, man. What are you telling me to do that? Well, start small. You can actually start putting aside 5% of your income. Perhaps by cutting back on a, you know, a few uh, you know, cups of coffee per month and not buying that latest cool you know, phone case that you thought was really cool and not perhaps subscribing to the most expensive streaming service that you thought was necessary but is not, by starting to cut back on these little expenses, you might free up about 5% of your income to be saved for the future. Understand this. If you cannot save money, the seeds of financial greatness are not in you. Because every fortune made in the world is made with this mindset. And you're saying, well, how about, how about these guys? I don't, know, uh, uh, I don't know, Mark Zuckerberg. This guy became a billionaire overnight. He made this cool app and he became a billionaire overnight. I want to do like that. I don't want to go the traditional way. I want to go it, you know, do it like he did. He didn't have to save money. He just became a billionaire you know, before the age of 30. Well, first of all, what are the odds that someone can instantly become a billionaire by developing an application that is super popular like Facebook, for example, right? Well, the odds are probably one in what? Four billion, five billion? Probably you have a higher chance of winning the lottery. And what are the odds that you will go financially broke if you do not change your approach? Very high. You see, it's a matter of you know, likelihood and probabilities. It is possible for some 
to reach, you know, the height of financial, you know, uh, freedom without having to ever save money. But that is called, you know, uh, probably worse than lottery. Because in that case, you do not have any control over your financial future. And understand that whoever you are right now listening to me, whoever you are in whichever country you're in, your first starting financial goal should be no less than $10 million. Because that's what anyone, anyone in any country can get if they live according to the rules of financial freedom. And the way to get started with that is learn to not to spend all your money. You see, you can't get rich with income. You can only get rich with investment. I repeat, you can't get rich with income, no matter how high your income. You're saying, well, I'm a doctor and I do surgeries and I make 40K a month minimum. Well, if you make 40K a month and you spend all of that on your lifestyle, I'm sorry, you are still poor because at the end of the month, You got no cash left. You have no capital to expand your income. You're fully dependent on your job. So it doesn't matter how much money you make. You can never pave your way to financial future by merely increasing your income. You need to start investing. And guess what? If you want to invest money, you need to have capital. How do you get the capital? By starting to spend a little less than you earn, taking that money, putting it away, not spending it, and keeping it and letting it be multiplied through various investment formulas. There are many ways, of course. Bitcoin is not one of them, by the way. Stay away from that thing. You could stop, you know, start investing in stocks. There are many ways. You can actually start putting in, you know, your, your money in certain uh, packages. I personally am uh, I'm not a fan of the stock market whatsoever. I'm a huge fan of the real estate uh, path to investment. But whatever it is, Those paths are specialized. And if you are currently struggling financially, you don't need to think about how I'm going to invest my money. You first need to have a little bit of money to invest first in the first place, right? And for that, you need to learn a discipline to put aside a little bit of your cash. You're saying, but I'm a college student. I I don't make that much money. I mean, I work on the side to pay for my stuff and it's all like this. I don't make that much money. Well, the fact of the matter is that it doesn't matter how much money you make. All that matters is whether or not you think in a wealthy way and you have the discipline to save money every month. 5% of your income, 10%. Trust me, these little things are going to add up, especially if it leads to the formation of your uh, basically uh, uh, financial uh, you know, habits that will then allow you to you know, repeat this process in the future. And understand this. What is our target then? The basics is very simple. Spend less than you earn, take that money, invest it in various formula, allow it to grow and multiply over time until at some point the dividends from your investment match or even exceed your actual income from work. Once you reach that level, congratulations. You've just reached financial security and independence. So, That is our target for you, but understand nothing is possible unless you start working on building that discipline on a regular basis to help you save money consistently and persistently with the mindset of later using it as investment capital, whether it is to put it up as deposit to get a mortgage, 
for a property that you want to later, you know, rent out or perhaps flip or put it on Airbnb or whatever. But ultimately, you want to see this as a lifelong process. And if you listen to us today, you understand that the very first step always begins inside of you. So basically, uh, you know, somehow wrap it all up. Just wanted to remind you to know that no matter how high your income is, you need to look at money in two separate ways. All the money that you have can be divided in two parts. Other people's money that you spend for a variety of you know, products or services and your money that you keep to use as investment capital for your future. And if you want to get rich, pay yourself first. All right, guys, that's all the time we have for today. And I really enjoyed sharing with you guys the, you know, these thoughts and ideas. If you had any questions, please reach us on the social media platforms as well as on our websites. And hopefully, we'll be glad to answer all your questions. Have a good one. This was Beyond the Present Podcast, and I am Daniel Mulligan. Take care. Hey.